right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Ivan Nahem. You might know him from his work with Carnival Crash, Ritual Tension, EX, Dash Greater Than Sign, Tension, or his work with the Swans on the album Greed. Um, yeah, Ivan, this was a great conversation. It went deep really quick, and uh, it was really, really insightful, and that's that's what we're looking for on this podcast is, is thought-provoking conversations like this one. So, before we get to it, Ivan's got a new album out. It's called Crawling Through the Grass, and it's a different work. It's spacey work. It's a, it's a instrumental work. Um, but really what changed my perspective on this project is after talking with him, the whole album follows a progression of a yoga class, right? So there's all the movements that you follow within a yoga class, and then you get to the very end where you end with an ohm, right? Um, now I've, I haven't done too many yoga classes, so I really can't name the specifics, but we're going to listen to the first track, Only Waking, through Crawling Through the Grass.
quaking off crawling through the grass. And we're going to jump right into it, friends. But before we do that, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on one of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep finding cool guests and sharing their insights with you. So if you wouldn't mind, it goes a long way. And here's my conversation with Ivan. My first uh, diving into it, what, um, what are some similarities within the practice of martial arts and yoga? Oh wow! Um, that it's it's funny because I thought about that a lot, studying both of them uh, pretty much simultaneously. And one of the things I used to say is that it's easy enough to relax and feel centered and calm when you're in a, a studio sitting um, and incense and all of that, you know, kind of yeah. stuff. And uh, but when somebody's throwing a punch at your face, that's when you really need to relax. And that's that's when it becomes a challenge to relax. And um, I, I, there there are there are certain I, I think both forms, uh, mo- both modalities are uh, meditative in a certain way, you know, they're, and they're about using your body. I've always been athletic. My dad was an athlete. Um, and I, I, I love working with the body and, and, but that's the whole, rather working with the whole being, you know, and, and so there's a, there's, there's that kind of flow. They're both, they both come from, uh, the Asian area of the, of the world, of course. Um, and there's, there's just this, this, um, and the philosophy of, of, of being where you are, being aware of your breath. You know, when you when you right. throw a punch, being aware of of how you know they do the key That's a breath thing. Right. You know, so so all of that stuff uh, uh, works back and forth. I, I like the the sort of um, the, well, the the style of karate I I studied was goju, mm-hmm. and that means hard, soft. Mm-hmm. So you know, it has that duality in it of there's the hardness of the of the punch, but your your body has to be supple to do that, has to be relaxed to do that, so that there's the softness too. And when you're say when you're meditating or when you're doing yoga, you there's there's uh, strength and there's also the the softness as well. So so uh, those are those are just some of the correspondences I would say. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. The yin-yang of it and the, <clears throat> the breath work is definitely – and, like, the, the, it, it, I imagine this uh, – a takeaway skill from both practices um, with the breathing and being able to, being able to become center and ready mm-hmm. to strike in the way musically pans out, like when it comes to performance time or, or the red light is on where we are recording. Has right. any of those skills – like, have you noticed that? with a breath work has that transferred over to the performance or or recording or just being in that um headspace to like because i find I, it takes me a couple takes uh the red lights on oh shit i gotta get i gotta get i gotta refo- you know what i mean like god like sure. <laughs> so has that has sure. those practices panned out sure um uh, 
in a, in a certain way when i mean one of the things that i've 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 done with with music is to be a vocalist and so you have to be very aware of your breath with that and and to know where it is it all comes out through the breath so uh you know concentrating on that uh has has helped in that way there's also the the fact that uh, breathing and and being just being aware of your breath seems to have a calming effect on the body, and so when you're nervous, yeah, of course. I, I mean, I remember one time we were living in Ireland in the 2000s uh, for a couple of years, and um, somebody rear-ended me. She wasn't paying attention. She was paying attention to the kids in the back of her car, and uh, and smashed into a wall in front of me, and um they got out and the kids were really upset of course they and nobody was injured but they were all just like gone you know so i and i just was like okay listen uh i'm a teacher just breathe just get you know just steady yourself with your breath and and that kind of thing so even in emergency situation and you know they they used to tell women who, who were having natural childbirth to, to do this Lamaze breathing, right? So it's in, in order to put your mind at a different place than where the pain is. Right. And, you know, I do that when I'm in the dental chair, you know, I think about, <laughs> you know, and, and, and one thing that, that should be stressed as well is that you're not always going to think about each breath as a, a tremendous individual right. in itself it's kind of you bring the mind back to it you 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 know the, that idea of centering you sent you recenter yourself because you're going to drift you're going to drift away from it but then you can you know if 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 it's part of your uh mental routine then you you will come back to it and and that might help you calm down and i i just felt like 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 i I'm not a real, I, I had certain, certain early experiences, which made me shy away from really woo woo new age stuff. And, and, but so I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about things. I don't, you know, I have some strange beliefs I have to say, but, but, uh, but I also feel like, um, um, no, where was I <laughs> that, that I can, yeah, I lost that thought. That thought jumped. But almost yeah. like you don't want to be too open-minded, or your mind your mind falls out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it it is a fine balance of it. Like, and it's interesting because breathing is something we all can do. It's a it's a and focusing on your breath is something anyone can do. And you know, right, it's, it's, right, right. It's finding that. It, uh, sorry. Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say before was that that in a class. I found going to yoga classes, and I discovered it fairly late in my life, uh, but it it does have a real psychological effect. That's which that's the real part of it. You know, you don't have to you don't have to believe in chakras or anything that stuff. But the, when you concentrate on your breath and and do physical mo movements with concentration, you will come back, and and you will. I mean, almost everybody leaves the, the that situation feeling better, and and it can be by your your own your home practice too, your own practice. But you, it it, it will it will center you. And the, is is it, is it for for you? Was it the combination of the two? 
like you're like this really this really makes like um was it like post doing your like running into this yoga or trying this yoga session out for on a whim like leaving that was it like how the breath work paired with it and then like the realization that wow I'm 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 brought back or I'm here or was it like kind of afterwards like oh man I feel real good yeah it's a combination of that I mean you when you're doing it you feel you know you, you just feel that 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 nice flow and I I, I guess uh I guess they call it, and and in art they call it also like a fugue state that you get into. You know, when you're yeah. when you're playing your music, when you're when you're painting, you you get into a a a, a different frame of mind, and 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 that's what I love about doing all of these things. You know, um, all of the modalities, and and they can cross fertilize. It's the zone. Yeah, the zone. Yeah. Getting into the zone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now a, you know that doesn't that doesn't mean that you've solved all your life's problems all of a sudden you know because yeah, yeah. you feel better because you're 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 in touch with your breath it can that that can be you know kind of solipsistic in a way but but you you do um, even even the warrior needs to know how to relax you know people who are who are who are just burning everything up they're going to burn themselves up too. So you have to be able to sort of lay back as well. Right. You know, and that's what it teaches you. It goes back to the kind of soft, hard or the, uh, right. Flex, uh, still or uh, stiff. I'm mm -hmm. trying to think of a better way to put it, but, uh, but it's, it's an yeah. interesting balance of the two, right? Like I had a, a, in a class, I had a student who was, um, I told this on another episode. I can't remember what, but like, um, and this was last week. He had a fork, a plastic fork, and he was trying to break it, you know. And he's looking at me. He's like, "That's too bendy." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." And like, yeah. And uh, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, and, well, I brought, I shifted the class for a second. I'm like, "Yeah, why do you think that fork can't break?" And he's like, "It's too bendy." I'm like, "Well, right. maybe you know." If we can all kind of be like a fork sometimes, if we're more flexible, we won't break as much. <laughs> like beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it, it it's it's true. I mean, if you're too rigid, in 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 lots of areas. I mean, and and it right. can be in in terms of belief as well. Your belief can be too rigid, you know, and uh, and and then it doesn't adapt to new circumstances. We have to be adaptive creatures. Uh, especially in these very interesting times. Right. So, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> that's that's uh, that's you know, and they talk about the the bending willow and all that, and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's 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 an aspiration for sure. Was well, agreed, and I think well said because now there's a now more than ever stuff is always changing, and we've <sighs> seen a lot of a lot of people that aren't comfortable. Well, change is never never comfortable. You know, and yeah. like being able to adapt to something so drastic as like, yeah, you don't go to work anymore. <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's your reality now. Yeah. Right. And and so yeah, you 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 have to to work with. Uh, I mean, the only the only thing that stays the same is change, like the the platitude, you know. <laughs> and 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 it, but it's 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 a true platitude. <laughs> Um, yeah, kind of a. You mentioned your father a little bit. I wanted to dive into. We could talk about him because, like, he uh, like 
he had this whole he he had a really uh, in in baseball a pretty impactful uh, yeah. if you would if you would dive into that a little more sure um he wasn't uh uh, uh f- i mean he was a very skilled player he didn't have to work at it very much he was a a kind of big guy he was syrian jewish and uh and he was lucky in a way that well i mean it, it's hard to say this but but uh, I, I, I shouldn't say that he was lucky, but 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 his his father, uh, who who was not not a real nice guy, um, uh, passed away or drowned on a, a ship went down um, <clears throat> when uh, my dad was thirteen, and because of that, they he and his brothers and sisters were were given more just they could they could go their own path. And and so I, I would say that was fortunate for him. It wasn't wasn't lucky uh, for per se. But um, so you know he loved baseball. He loved he loved uh, literature. He loved art. Um, he got he, he got way into baseball, and uh, so he eventually became a major leaguer. And Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn Bums, Brooklyn Dodgers, and uh, then he got uh, traded in the, to the Phillies, and then the war came along. Now, he's been the uh, subject of uh, articles and, and recently, and he's going to be uh, uh, featured in a, in a book that's coming out by uh, a guy named Peter, uh, Professor Peter Dreyer, because um, – what what happened during the war was he he got over to France uh, uh, fairly late in the game, and the war ended. And there were a lot of GIs that were stranded over there, hundreds of thousands. And you know they only had the boats coming back, and right. and, <clears throat> and so they wanted to um, to find some distractions for all these soldiers. So they decided to do a baseball league, and. Um, they knew my dad was a major leaguer and that he was uh, Jewish and they gave him the a manager position and he was able to recruit whoever he wanted. So he recruited um, guys from the Negro League, especially uh, one guy named Leon Day. And, um, and so they had, they had this league and, and this, uh, this very diverse team uh, with my dad, both pitching and managing um, went up through the ranks and their opposing team, the other team that, that came out of the other league was uh, general Patton's. Um, I can't remember what they call it, the air force flyers or something. And, and they, um, they were uh, a lily white team of, of a lot of major leaguers. And so uh, Sam's team went up against them, and they played a five-game series, uh, and the and it went down to the fifth game, which was played at Nuremberg Stadium, where Hitler had given all his speeches, and uh, it was a thrilling game, and uh, they won in a, in the final innings, and uh, and it was it was it was kind of the precursor to Jackie Robinson. This was pre pre Jackie Robinson, pre breaking the color line. So it was, it was, you know, and, and a lot of the stadium was rooting for the, for general Patton's guys, of course. And, uh, so it was, it was, it was quite a breakthrough, uh, for, 
diversity and 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 all of that so you know in looking back on it and and my my dad had a a really interesting career he was he, he was the kind of guy who would uh the reporters loved to talk to him because he he would he was witty and stuff i mean he said after one uh game where uh he did terribly he said uh yeah i'm now in the position of of uh pitching batting practice to the batting practice pitchers <laughs> you know stuff like that yeah. so so he, he was a colorful guy he was a wonderful uh uh guy altogether he he was he was actually a member of the communist party he and my mother were uh, met through communist party stuff and they were communists for you know uh, through maybe till the late 50s when the Khrushchev revelations about Stalin came out. And I mean, I think they were, they really believed in social issues and in, in they were communists for the reason that everybody should be able to eat, you know, and, and have, you know, and, and, and that's the good side of that. On the other side, he, I mean, he saw that it wasn't working. It wasn't working in the Soviet Union. This idea that the ends justifies the means that you can have dictators that that uh, do what they want for supposedly for the good of the people. They're they're as corrupt as anywhere else. So, you know, he kind of repudiated that hard line in his last years. And you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm basically I don't I don't know that that we have a better system than sort of. Uh, uh, benevolent capitalism at this point, but you know, it's it's everything. All the systems require the right people in place. And uh, anyway, so so that was uh, that was a lot. I mean, and and I had the I came along after after his career. Uh, he married a my mother was of Swedish uh, descent, and uh, and possibly because of the communist stuff, we. we uh, I was born in Manhattan. My sister and I were born in Manhattan, but then we moved to California because uh, the FBI would follow Sam around and uh, inform them that uh, that he was a communist. So he went to work for Standard Oil, worked there for 25 years or so, and, um, and became middle class in that way. Um, so, you know, uh, and he, he helped organize the union there, and, and, and he was always... Uh, doing good and and so uh i came along after i mean i played catch with him and he had a good fastball i'll tell you <laughs> you know so uh, and and i i played i was a pretty good athlete myself i i pitched a no hitter in little league uh probably people were just intimidated that my dad was a major leaguer so yeah. um but uh <laughs> but uh I, you know, it was funny because I think he was also kind of an odd bird in that, you know, they'd be going out drinking, all his uh, mates on the team, and and he would, he would be reading Guy de Maupassant or something, you know. So he was, he he was, uh, he was a man of uh, many levels, and uh, and he never really wanted me to go into sports as a career because he said, you know, you can break your hand and that's the end of it. And it's too precarious. On the other hand, uh, by the time I came along, if, if I would have gotten to the major leagues after three days, you get a lifetime pension. So sometimes <laughs> I've wondered whether that would have, that would have been a better route, but you know, I, I took a, a different route in life. 
It's well. It sounds like just being around, like the uh, the flex, the the ability to think differently and adapt to different different forms of, in 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 philosophy and government and just like be around people that are openly thinking about that and die in like. It sounds like the, a lot of a lot of like these kind of philosophies we started talking about were kind of uh, you grew up in, around them in a way. Yeah, they would have dinner parties and and you know that was it was pretty stimulating. I, I remember you know we would go up to uh, we went up to Russian River on a on a family vacation and we we read Shakespeare. Uh, we took turns reading Julius Caesar and stuff and and you know that kind of stuff I, I think it, it does uh, it certainly had an, a big effect on me I, I I thought that I was going to be uh, a great writer of course and so that was what what you know so uh, that was that was a lot of I, I remember actually once my my dad my I mentioned James Joyce and I was maybe around 12 or something. And my dad said, well, I don't really understand him. And I thought, Oh my God, there's somebody my dad doesn't understand. <laughs> you know, and I really wanted to know more about it. And, and, you know, of course later on fell in love with Joyce's work, but yeah. Um, that was a hole that, that was a spot. That was a spot you can fill like yeah, an, a, yeah. a path right there. That's and like, yeah. And Joyce, he he had a lot of the was it um stream of consciousness, right? Kind of, yeah. Although I, I'm always wary of that phrase because it, it, it you know it, it's sort of like like the stream of consciousness that James Joyce would have would be very different than the one that uh, most normal people would have, right? You know, right. And, and stuff. So uh, yeah, and 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 I think that there was a lot of craft in what doing and 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 see this is an interesting thing in terms of of your philosophy of 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 art and and say with music too is that you um you i love the fact that that joyce wrote this book say dubliners which was like really conventional short stories but really done well or or Picasso in his early work could would would paint really you know lifelike pictures say or, or representational art right. and then went off and took this in a different direction I think that's what you know I, I mean I'm kind of in in my music career I've kind of done it the the reverse order in that. It's only now that I'm learning theory and 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 all of that kind of stuff, and and it really helps to learn it. But uh, but I, but but with with writing, I, I I thoroughly schooled myself, and and I I got to know a lot of you know I, I did a lot of in depth study, and I, I I think with with using using words, I'm I'm very confident, but. Music has always been. Well, we can get to that, but music is, has always been uh, sort of the elusive muse for me. Right. Well, you know, it's like yeah. with with music, you can you can have one chord, like, and put a lot on top of it. Like, you can mm -hmm. lyrically decorate one chord to be fascinating. You know, mm -hmm. where like uh, 
you really can't do the opposite. You can't really make one word music. Well, I guess you can. I guess you can. I take that back. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, you probably could musically make one word pretty fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, um, but but it it seems uh, I feel like with with music, it it it's gonna support lyrically more what's being said. And if the foundation's there, the narrative or this the the punch with all these lines, it's gonna have a greater impact than than if musically it was more complicated. Yeah, um, I with one of the interesting things to me with the the music I'm doing now is that I've actually I'm actually releasing things that are are purely. Um, instrumental yeah which so, i've never done before and and but even so i'm trying to tell a story you know and 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 it's almost refined out of existence because it's just music you know whereas the words we 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 latch to this is this is where the story is going this is what it's about we can reduce it to this but there's also and and the thing that that appealed to me most in in music was that you bring, I mean, uh, you know, when I was very pretty young, uh, coming into contact, say, with Bob Dylan's work, is uh, Bob Dylan, the Reed, people like that, is that here's people, here are people trying to tell these stories uh, in poetic form, and the music is, is just so enhancing it. And, and you know, that, that, that always intrigued me. Right. It's it's interesting because like um, so I studied NMT, which is neurologic music therapy, and mm-hmm. um, there's this bit with the Gestalt um theory of expectation. So like our brain likes music because it predicts where it's going, like da 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 da. You know, you, you, we know that. If you, and if you defy those expectations, your brain doesn't right. like it. If we if I would just hang on the didn't go to the 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 one didn't resolve right. it your brain would be like come on um, right so when you have a chord progression that's simple like a one four five and it keeps resolving and like our brain knows where that next chord's gonna go it's gonna go back to the one it started on so it like it's already predicting that and like if you would put it in a in a context where it's just one chord man our brain okay it's staying there i get it it's not going anywhere and then you put words on top of it so now your brain's already dopamine out because it knows where the music's at, and you put words on top of it. I think it like amplifies it more, like it puts more attention to that, and you start to follow that. So I agree with what you're saying. I, th- I definitely think the music enhances um, the the narrative and the lyrical content above it. Well, you can also, I, I mean, isn't there though also this tension between? The, we know it's going to go there, but because we know that's the convention, you can mess with that as well. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. you can take it, you can, you can uh, interrupt somebody's expectation and then it's like, okay, wait, I got to put the dopamine on, <laughs> on hold for a second here. And okay, now I got the dope, you know, yeah, uh, just working. And, and I think that's, that's what gives it the richness as you go on is, I mean, we get bored when we hear the same stuff over and over and we know, we know what to expect. So you have to, but, but if, if you go so far out, I mean, then, I mean, 
you, you can't hook people in too. There's there's a very practical way that that right. music can can work for us and give us just that pleasure. And some people are are fine with just that. I I I like to to muck it up a bit, but you know that's 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 just an orientation, I guess. You know, like odd time signatures. You know, anything that's out of four usually kind of right. makes that. But you know, if there's other elements around it that are like having that same effect like if you look at uh, uh dave brubeck's take five right. right that melody is so catchy you're not really thinking it's one two three four five you know you you can feel it if you're trying to play it but listening to it you're just singing it so it's, yeah it's the it, it just it, the other it, ones, you know? that's a great i i had that song in my head all through seventh grade <laughs> and 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 yeah i remember being at my desk and and, and doing it and not even knowing yeah you don't even know it's in in an odd time signature because they do it so smoothly right and and that's what what brubeck was able to do for sure um yeah and and <clears throat> and yeah there can be stuff hidden and structures hidden within uh, within something that you're not really aware of, but but uh, as an artist, I've always liked to work with constraints, you know, and 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 you constrain yourself by what palette you're using, and then then you see how expressive you can be within within that, you know. I I, I wrote uh, I started doing this series of poems at one point where i was uh using the definite article the and then a noun after it but then i would use a one syllable noun for one section and then a two syllable and then and divide that between the stress being on the first uh syllable and the second syllable and then three syllable words and 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 <clears throat> you know i could calculate exactly how many syllables there were in this four page poem uh you know on a calculator uh if 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 i wanted to but that was the the con the constraint the structure and then i was thinking within this can i make it say something right you know yeah. and and so uh uh just incidentally later i i used those poems uh not that one exactly but i did a whole series of them i used those poems in uh in my uh, uh album the kiss that came out in 2017 and uh you know all the all the songs have uh a lot of thes in them <laughs> <laughs> was that um so in on a thought of that like i've been trying to understand metered poetry coming coming from a so did you study poetry did you go when you when you, uh, like when you decided that you yeah. wanted to like study literature and writing is that what you dove towards well you know uh, just to uh to um, pretty much go back to what, where I started. I wanted to be a musician when I was a kid, but I remember like, like one of my first memories is, is, uh, uh, showing my mom that I could whistle home on the range. That's pretty good. Um, when I was like four <laughs> Whistling <or> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but a series, uh, I had a certain events we had a we had a test in school on our musical abilities and as i recall it's, i i i it's very dreamlike but what i recall is that they they led us into an auditorium and had a woman with a piano there and she would hit a note and then she would hit three other notes and you had to choose which one was the same note 
which for people who had some training, I think that would even be hard, but I had no training. So I got a low score and a friend of mine got a really high score. So I thought, okay, you either have an ear or you don't, I guess I don't. And then my, you know, then I just, I was singing with a bunch of people and, and this, this guy who was a musician said I was singing flat and I didn't really know what that meant. So I was really intimidated by music. And, and even though that was, you know, when, I mean, I was, I, I was listening to, to, you know, Duke of Earl and all the, you know, all the stuff on the radio. And then Bob Dylan came along and, um, uh, I read some reviews of him and I want, I got this record and I brought it home and I, and I free will and Bob Dylan and I yeah. played it. And I, I said to my mom, he sounds like an old man. <laughs> and she said, well, it's a style. It's yeah. like Woody Guthrie. So, so listen to it. And then I, I learned, I listened to it and I got to, to love it and, and all that. But I always thought that's what I really want to do, but I don't have an ear. So I have to, so the next best thing is to be a writer. But what I, and I ended up studying, yeah, I went to, uh, but so, sort of by default, I didn't really want to go to college, but um, I was really good at school and I was really good in literature. And I, so I ended up going to UC Berkeley and, uh, and I grew up in Berkeley basically. And, and I, uh, for some reasons, uh, certain reasons, I had to kind of stay around the Bay Area. So I went to school there and, and yeah, studied literature for four years, got my degree and, and really did nothing with it for like 20 years because I wanted to be a, the kind of writer that got all kinds of experience in the world. So I worked in restaurants. I was a, I did everything you can do in the restaurant. I was up to book being bartender. I was a night manager. I and I drove cabs and I worked in factories and, and I did a lot of hitchhiking and I, I did all, I did, I tried to lead that sort of, uh, you know, Jack Kerouac life. Yeah. And, uh, but all the time I sort of wanted to be a musician, but I didn't feel like I could. And, um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead in the story, but, is- but when, uh, when punk rock came along, it was like I was I I, I had already been way keyed into, uh, uh, you know, the Velvet Underground and and Iggy and the Stooges. I saw the Stooges, yeah, um, uh, at in San Francisco in '73, I think, um, and uh, so I was I I was I was definitely ready for the Ramones. I saw the Ramones in '76 in New York on. on I, I lived out here for a year there yeah. uh, then, and and I was really inspired. But and so when I went back to San Francisco, I uh, you know there was this great scene uh, centered around the Mabuhay Gardens place, and uh, and one night I was watching this band called the Offs. I loved the band. Don Vinyl was the singer, uh, rest in peace. And uh, uh, the drummer I think was on Quaaludes. And I think if there's a, a a drug that you don't want to be on <laughs> to play drums, yeah, I right. think it's quaaludes. And, you know, because he was just way off. And I thought, at least I can keep a, a beat. So maybe I could be a drummer. Yeah, I don't so, need pitches. I can, 
I can, yeah, I can keep time. Is that what led to the yeah. situations? Uh, yeah, and that led to being in the situations. And well, I, I, I went out. I bought a, uh, a Ludwig Silver Sparkle trap set, and nice. uh, and um, I knew I I knew some people in a band called the Mutants. And this one guy, John, said, "Ah, uh, oh, there's this great uh, ki- these kids who are who are uh, who who are are uh, making a band, doing a band. They need a drummer, so talk to them." So I went and I uh, they were staying down by the terminal in the terminal building in San Francisco, and I, I auditioned. And I think they liked me from the beginning. I was ten years older than them. Uh, they were in their late teens and, uh, they were two sisters, the solder sisters, Janet and Teresa and their friend, Mike Riley. And, um, and so we, we clicked and, and they were sort of learning their instruments too. And, and that was the, the wonderful thing about punk rock was that, you know, it gave, gave you license for all us people who, who wanted to be musicians but were intimidated by the uh, music students. Um, it gave us license to get up on stage and, and just do shit, you know? Right. And, uh, and, and it was, uh, you know, the, the only problem with it for, in terms of uh, my music career was that I wasn't ready for it. And we were really weren't ready for it. We were, we, we, we were sort of like the B-52s in a way before the, they had even hit the radio. Yeah. And, and so we were very visual and, and, and I, and so we got popular very fast, but then people would say oh, they can't play very well. And, you know, um, but, uh, and I, things like that, I think, uh, tore us apart, but, but it was uh, it was a great fun time as well, you know. And and it's it's too bad we don't have. Uh, I, I've been trying to find to Target Video took some video of us, and I've been trying to track it down, but haven't succeeded yet. But so there's no real record. Oh, well, I hope but, I hope those turn up because like yeah. that's a, that's a I, I, that's like a punk rock badge. They can't play really well. Yeah. Yeah. Come it, see it us. was in a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we 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 did play. Uh, it wasn't like we were thoroughly incompetent or or anything like that. But you know, when you're when you're beginning something, you're not going to do it perfectly, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so so you know you you get insecure about that sometimes. But but I, I remember we were on stage uh, at midnight on new year's eve at the deaf club and i was so scared because everybody in town was there and we were we were the ones that as it turned out were going to be on stage and i really didn't want to blow it and i played fabulously and it was such a great triumph you know and uh so you have moments like that as well you know right right well May, that's maybe when the breath kicked in right or the, the focus mm-hmm. there <laughs> the focus yeah like, yeah, it was I got in the zone, Dave. I got in the zone. <laughs> that's what that that's where he, I don't know. There's something like leading up to every moment to like, okay, I can't believe all these people showed up for us. Like, and, and, but there's a, there's a moment of focus, I believe, right before you kind of dive into that. That either you know that I, I think you don't have an option to not tune into that focused moment because of the group dynamic. 
Um, it's so true. Right? Like, yeah, so it's sort of like the whole ritual of it brings you into it and takes you out of yourself. Right. And then, and then yeah. knock on all the on, on all the wood that it pans out. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's experience. But I think it, I think that that just happened. But um, it, it's just something you especially as a unit, like the audience and the performers, like that that moment happens. But uh, mm -hmm. so so from so with the drums being like now, were you like once you have a reason to study it, you know? It's and this is this is interesting because it seems like it, it's kind of like a, a following. It seems like it's like the same approach like with yoga in a way, like um, it's something you it, it just tried and then it became a thing, like yeah. Um, maybe this maybe music had a little more more history of a direction for you, but like um, once you're behind this kit, is it starting to come together? Like is music becoming less mysterious, counting your way through it? I don't know that it's or at all less mysterious. It actually gets more mysterious to me as I go on. Maybe, but, maybe I should uh, say uh, but, less uh, threatening, yeah. less, uh, le intimidating. Le less intimidating, I would say. Yeah, for sure, less intimidating. Although, you know, I, I went through a lot of stress being in the situations that I did feel a responsibility. Okay, suddenly we're, we're you know, we're the centerfold of Search and Destroy, there's a lot of people going to come and see us, so I better get good. And one night I was uh, at the Mabuhe at the Mabin, and uh, there was this um, two two person group, uh, Esmeralda, and uh, oh, what they call them? They call themselves No Mercy. Esmeralda was a singer, and uh, Tony Hotel was a drummer. And I loved the drum she was playing. I mean, and and I just I gravitate toward female teachers and and all of that so i asked her if she um if she did lessons and um so i started studying with her and thank goodness because uh we're still friends on facebook and stuff we relocate we found each other but uh she taught me stuff that got me through some of the 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 big performances and stuff that we had yeah. and and yeah and you yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, I really, I, I really wish that I'd had, and I mean, it's a road not taken. Had had people teaching me when I was young. I mean, when when you're when you're young and and you form the muscle memory of the guitar and and all of that. That and, but you know, I, and and in a certain way, I feel now like I'm never going to thoroughly understand music because i didn't or or i'm not going to be a virtuoso on on any instrument but i i can i can do what i can do you know it's some somebody who who started learning english when they're they're 12 years old they're not going to speak perfect english but they're going to speak an interesting form of english right. you know and and so that's what i'm i'm thinking in my next incarnation i'll i'll i'll, uh, I'll get the the teaching early on and the theory early on but uh not this one <laughs> but you know i think that's uh, the way to put it a more interesting form of english like some people that you know have like kind of a broken dialect of english when it, what they say is sometimes more impactful because of right it, because there's like yeah. a uh, there's already an interest in how someone's saying it, um, and like sometimes with the virtuosos, like they don't like, 
yeah, mm-hmm. they can shred the violin, but where's their music? Where's their song? Like, exactly. <laughs> a lot of, a lot yeah. of the virtuosos, like, kind of, uh, and not a lot, but if I, let's say a good amount, uh, maybe one or two, I don't know. Um, <laughs> add to a add to a written thing as opposed to their own because it's just a different headspace. You can only kind of manage so much. Um, right. So your brother was also doing music as well. Um, so he started learning guitar, uh, when I was taking up the drums and he's 11 years younger than me. And, uh, and so then I would come around the house and, and, uh, I think I set up my drums in my dad's house, even though I wasn't living there. And so Andrew and I started jamming and, um, and then when situations imploded, I, uh, I said, "Hey, let's 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 work on this." And uh, and then there were a couple guys who we knew from. They were uh, fans of the. They were in the scene, and they were fans of the situations. And and Mark uh, C had actually um, uh, driven us, uh, driven some of our equipment around and stuff. So I knew they wanted to be musicians too. So we started uh, getting together and rehearsing, and. Uh, and uh, the other guy was uh, Tom Payne. Not his actual name. I actually gave him the name Tom <laughs> That's a cool Payne. Name. That's a cool name. It's, it was a cool <laughs> punk rock name. And I thought, okay, Tom Payne. I, we know that from American history. And, right, uh, right. So, uh, so, and he's still, it's still his name. That's um, a great name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Tom and Mark and Andrew and I uh, formed a band called Crop. And uh, although we went through... A series of names we were called glass panel and then we were called uh crop then we tried blase decay went back to crop and then um so we played around at the mission rock and various places in san francisco and we were getting some reputation but we had by this time it was i don't know we 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 all kind of wanted to come to new york and be in the middle of it um and so we, uh, uh, my my brother was in school there though. So um, and he had had for various reasons left the band. So we, uh, Mark and and Tom and I, uh, came east and uh, came to New York and um, we did. So we needed um, we we needed a guitar player, and we we did uh, auditions in in Mark's loft. Um, they're on East 4th Street, and uh, no, actually, it's just 4th Street where he is. Uh, Great Jones, he's on Great Jones, and uh, <clears throat> so we um, uh, very major detail there. Um, <laughs> important, so that's uh, the scene, yeah, pl- place the scene right there. So, uh, and we had the thing was that, that as I recall, and Mark didn't remember this, and we talked recently, uh, he i think they really wanted um, a female guitar player mm. and i thought that was you know i had no problem with that right. at all but i was like i want a good guitar player and uh so a couple of the people who who uh tried out for us one was vernon reed and um another was norman westberg and i was in favor of either of those guys and um 
And I don't know, we were having, we were just having some personality conflicts as you do in bands. And so I had a friend who's a musician, John Griffin out in Brooklyn. And, uh, and so I left the band and John and I, and I called up Norman and uh, we started playing together. And, and so that was the next, the next band I was in was Carnival Crash. And uh, uh, so it was uh, Norman and, and John and I, and, and that's where I made my transition into being a vocalist because I was, I was a drummer, but I was writing a lot of the songs, a lot of the lyrics. And we, and John at first was singing when we gig and he was, he had been a drummer, mainly a drummer. He's a really uh, um, uh, well-seasoned musician. So he decided to take up the bass, but he couldn't really concentrate on, on playing the bass and singing. So uh, he, uh, so we, we auditioned all these singers and uh, couldn't find anybody. Um, one story I, I would tell from from those auditions was I remember we were on Avenue A and uh, and you know, we were very amused because we had this uh, woman booked to to uh, come in an audition and she was late and we were about to give up and then she came in she was dressed in leather and lace and 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 heel high boots and stuff and and she said you know. I work as a dominatrix and I had to beat up this lawyer out on Staten Island and I had to cut and I got late, you know, on the ferry. Yeah. And, uh, so that was her excuse, but, uh, she, she, she didn't make the cut. Um, but, uh, so eventually I just felt like, well, maybe I could sing. I don't know if I can sing, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. And they said, yeah, sounds good. So, um, so we uh, we then auditioned for drummers and got James Lowe, who's a fabulous drummer, um, to uh, play with us. So so that that band lasted about a year and a half, and in that in that time we had two uh, two recording sessions. And on one I sang and played drums, and on the other I just sang. And uh, and we, I refound some of the the. I refound the master tapes uh, a few years ago, and uh, and we remixed them and put them out. And uh, so, uh, it is a happy man by Carnival Crash is available now. So, uh, and I'm very happy to have that music out there now because I I think it 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 stands up. You know, it stands up. It was made in the early '80s, but uh, but it was it's pretty. And Norman, you know, is in Swans, and and um, it's interesting to hear him play in a kind of different mode than if you know swans that's right. that's pretty you yeah, know i was gonna ask so. about that but like yeah because i was checking out um it is a happy man on Bandcamp um before we talked and like that's i you, you were singing and playing at the same time i, I didn't that's amazing <laughs> like that's uh well no actually i i i I recorded the drums separately. Oh, I wasn't okay, okay. singing, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that would have been amazing, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, but I'm not. I'm not. I was not that that uh, advanced at it. Yeah. Okay, but still, like, just to jump into it, you know. And I think there's something to uh, uh, the lyrics coming from the writer, emotionally being delivered right. in that way. I think they're gonna sound better because the intent's completely understood. Um, right. 
and and it it have to be kind of going back to that that interesting dialect of well here's a drummer singing mm-hmm. you know not mm-hmm. that like a mm-hmm. not that it sound like it sounds uniquely you and really fits the music but you know it's it's just a different perspective to come from as opposed to like a singer singing like a singer drumming would sound weird not weird but unique um mm. so is that what kind of norman heard within your drumming the when you recorded was it greed with the swans um yeah i i they needed a drummer and i um by that time ritual tension was was uh was in full swing but norman you know we're we're even though carnival crash had had crashed and and we moved on norman uh norman liked me and i guess he liked my drumming and uh so he he called me up and um and the 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 carrot on the stick there was that they were going to tour Europe. And I was, I really wanted to tour with a band like that. And, and, uh, and so uh, we had really, really fun rehearsals, I would say. And, uh, and we did, uh, we did one recording session demo, which went really well. Um, Michael Girard, I mean, I, I, you know, I talk with Norman and and uh, and he has a great deal of reverence for Michael. And I I really on, on some level, I really related well with him. Like like, you know, we're both poets, basically. Um, but he his approach to having a band was sort of dictatorial. Uh, to say the yeah. least. I mean, there's a lot of, there's uh, an oral history of swans that's out. Um, and uh, I, I participated in that. And my experience was not unlike, I mean, they've been through like, I don't know, 30 drummers, <laughs> you know? And, and so I think the thing about I, I, being a dictator in a band is, is, is really an efficient way to run a band because this is this is the way it goes this is what i'm doing and this is what i want you to do i wasn't used to that in ritual tension it was all you know we all had input and michael's not a great communicator i think he knows a lot about uh, what i was going to say from norman was that i think michael has matured in this way and would not want to treat people the way he did back then uh, or would not endorse it say I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, right. but, uh, but, you know, I, I actually looking back on it, I don't have uh, resentments or anything. I'm, I'm glad I spent the time. We had some really fun times, uh, especially in the rehearsal. Then we got, went to a recording studio, which I hated on the, uh, on the upper West side or on the West side, um, Hell's Kitchen. And it was like being in Hell's Kitchen. I mean, I really had a, a miserable time, and and Michael was very uh, out of sorts about a lot of stuff, and and uh, so I quit the band at that point, and I never got to tour with him. Uh, he, the other thing he did was he 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 brought in another drummer, and I thought, okay, is he sending me a message? Right. Yeah, you know yeah, that, yeah. and and this guy was really skilled and really educated in the way that I wasn't. I was a punk rock drummer, 
And so I was really intimidated by that. And it turned out that that he he ended up using two drummers uh, uh, subsequently a lot of times. And the next time I saw the Swans, they had two drummers. So, but I wish he had said to me, "Listen, I'm bringing another drummer. This doesn't mean I don't like what you're doing." But he didn't say that. Right, so, right. you know, how what was I supposed to think? You know, so yeah, <clears throat> yeah, communication's key, and like. You know, we're in a, a, a the band. The band function is like get in, get in a van with me. Let's let's uh, let's go play to a bunch of places for no money and right. be hungry and, and, yeah. and support this message that we're, we're, we're we can signed off on as a group by by showing up. Like the, there's a lot of like, especially as like a, a rhythm section, a lot that's being put towards kind of a band leader in their direction, like. So it, it is. I think it's quintessential to to have that team spirit in a sense that everyone here is um, greatly appreciated. Like, yeah, that that was not uh, over yeah. the course of of that band. I don't think that's what the yeah. message came across. But, but I think uh, that's so it's so important know. that it is. Uh, yeah. Cause that could, like you're saying, that whole situation could have been like, oh yeah, we're like, I don't know, Grateful Dead in it, or like another yeah, band yeah. with two drums. It, it yeah, it could have been uh, explained differently, I guess. But but anyway, that 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 was water under the bridge. It was another experience, and uh, I'm glad I did it. You know, right, um, right. and at the same time, we were, you know, I was doing the ritual tension stuff. So and. And with ritual tension, that that lasted for a while, right? Yeah, we um, so after Carnival Crash, um, my my brother Andrew moved out from California, and uh, we got a place together on uh, First and First in New York, and uh, and we started playing together. Actually, then we moved to a place uh, uh, in uh, a Ninth and C, and it. Um, I we went there because it had a basement where we could practice, but it turned out that the basement flooded. All the oh, time. Shit. So, yeah. so that was, I remember also watching a, a news report where um, uh, uh, the reporter was like on our block and saying, this is the most dangerous place in America. <laughs> and I was thinking, Oh really? Uh, white boy. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel that way, but maybe you do. But anyway, um, so we were around that scene, and 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 so and we started out just being uh, Andrew and me, and a uh, and a drum machine, and and various uh, devices, and um, and then Claire Lawrence Slater became our bass player, and uh, and our first drummer was Michael Geo, and we did our first album, and. Uh, safe house records put out and uh and we got good reviews around and and uh and eventually we found a different rhythm section uh different players michael shockley and mark sloan uh played with us uh uh throughout the rest of the 80s and uh we 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 had a good following we would play saturday nights at cbgb and uh and had a lot of fun. Did it. I was also doing sort of performance art stuff. Part of the part of the 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 
and, and you can tell this sort of um, spiritual thing that I was into came into it in that during the 80s, I was I started really studying uh, Native American uh, culture because I was really attracted to it and really attracted to a way of life that seemed really benevolent for the earth and for for the way people live. And um, I went out to Minnesota, went into sweat lodges and stuff. And, and eventually I kind of felt like I'm always going to be a white boy in this situation. And I'm not really going to, I didn't grow up with the people as they call themselves. And, but I can take something from that, you know, and, and, but I have to go back to my people in a way. And so I came back to New York and, and, and the, just that idea of ritual tension of, of that, in our culture, one of the ways we can do that sort of shamanic practice is in a rock band where, you know, there's there's a focal point and 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 we're all immersed in the music. And, and it's a ritual that has this tension to it, tension and release, you know. And uh, so that's that's uh, that was part of my approach to it. Uh, I, I can't speak for the other guys in the band, but, you know, I, I, we had also sort of different degrees of like, like, uh, of skill. Like uh, we had our rhythm, rhythm section, Mike and, and Mark were some critics said they were like the best rhythm section in, in town. And <clears throat> those guys are great. They're, they're just really great great uh musicians so it was like we had this really firm uh uh firmament or sediment at the at the bottom you know and and then we could do this crazy stuff on top of it you know andrew's very much oriented the way i am and and you know we we could uh we could do our 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 crazy shit you know yeah well i think like one it's interesting from what i understand about like a Native American and shamanistic like uh, um, practices or rituals that I've not been a part of but have been told about or seen or like read about Mm. like it seems like the music there's a rhythmic thing to it right there's a lot of bass within like uh, within like you know shakers and rhythm and there's like this this already kind of natural song so it makes sense that you would find your your ritual within this thing that's kind of guiding you your whole life like this call to music like yeah that's really interesting that like that there was that kind of like that that draw towards the spiritual um like and i think everyone has i think most people have this like we want to feel like this you see someone who's immersed in like a a, any spiritual like thing and it's blissed out if it's like um, someone who's uh, very, very Christian or someone who's very, very, um, I don't know, like falling down, like their, their mind's so open, their brain's falling out in the, in like uh, the hippie realm of whatever, you know what I mean? Like whatever you see these people and like, there's, I think there's a little bit within all of us are like, man, I wish I like can be that blissed out in a way. <laughs> like, so it, I think, and I yeah, think it's, it's, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm married a woman, um, my third marriage is to uh um an, a woman from ireland and her mother seems to me like she's the buddha 
like she's just Catholic. She goes to the church and I've been to this church is one of the only churches I ever felt like, like a calm, a real calmness in. And, you know, I, I called it sort of Catholic yoga where they, they get, they stand up, they kneel, they, they sit down, they kneel, they stand up. It's like doing a sun salutation. But, you know, you can, it doesn't matter in some ways which vehicle you use to get to that zone, you know, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and so it, it does cut across. I, I do feel like, like certain modalities, uh, well, they're, I would say they're more, more appealing to me. Like if, if I, uh, <clears throat> it, when, when I would listen to the recordings or, or hear Native American, it, 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 it does hit, uh, some deep resonance in me, you know, and it might not be true for other people, but yeah, it seems like the original voice of this land is coming through that, you know. It was, um, so kind of this may, this may seem like a jump of a question, but like, uh, what was like with all that kind of like, where was that when, when you were teaching English, did you find a crossover with teaching English and like some of this like kind of like spirituality like lessons that you've obtained well i yeah after i in terms of my day jobs i had uh i've had you know like i said in my 20s i did all kinds of things and then in my 30s i was because i was playing here in new york and and such i I was doing word processing, uh, and, um, cause I could, I could, you know, I, I was at a temp agency, so I, I could keep myself afloat that way and, and then do the rehearsing and, and all that stuff. But then, um, my second wife was pregnant and, and we needed, uh, uh, health insurance and all that. So I, I had been sent to, um, this is a long way to answer your question, <laughs> no, but I, I, my, my wife would be rolling her eyes, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I was sent to the New York stock exchange, uh, temp, uh, exercise and they got to know me there and, and saw that I was correcting everybody's, uh, letters and grammar and everything. And, and they offered me a job and, and over the course of, of, uh, oh, like 18 years or so, I, uh, I, I got like seven promotions and I ended up in the, the tech uh, side of stuff as a techie and um, at, at the stock exchange. And then, then when I, uh, I took early retirement cause I wanted to get the hell out of that place. And, um, and so then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? I want to, you know, I have my art, but I'm not making any money with that. So, I, um, I I went to the new school and got a, a certificate to teach English as a second language. So I started teaching that here. And then um, I started doing yoga about the same time I discovered, you know, asana yoga. And so then we went to, uh, we moved back to, we moved to Ireland. I say back to, but that was only back to for my wife. Uh, so Helen and I moved to Ireland and I, uh, because I had a certificate, they really need to get certificates over there. So uh, I, I was able to, uh, get a well-paying job teaching English. And 
the interesting thing was was that there were so many immigrants in Ireland, and the Irish treat immigrants wonderfully because you know they've so many of them have been immigrants and are connected to people who are so these these folks got to take free English classes and they were paying me like forty five euro an hour to teach wow. english and uh and uh it was i mean. I don't know if it was always a spiritual experience. Sometimes, you know, it was it was frustrating. Uh, but uh, but I, you know, my my mom uh, early on when I was in college, she wanted me to become a teacher, and I thought I don't want to live my whole life in academia and just doing, you know writing novels, John Updike novels about the, the, the faculty. Um, so I thought, well, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But when, when I started teaching, I found like, I, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm kind of an empath, you know, I'm kind of someone who, who can get into that, that beginner's mind space. And, and so I, I, I taught English uh, over there and I taught when we came back for some years. Um, but at the same time I was learning yoga and I, I, I was more interested, you know, you, you end up learning a lot about what you're teaching. Right. I, I learned more about the English language, but it wasn't like I, I needed to enhance my skills so much. And, and I was more just taken with, with, yoga so i i began to uh to teach that when we were uh there in county longford and uh and uh when i came back i got more training and and uh and i taught for about uh 11 years altogether and uh retired from that a couple of years ago just to devote myself to the music but uh yeah i'm always going for the next thing i guess in some ways or or trying to use art and all of these different forms to uh, to figure out what the heck is going on, who the heck I, am I, and all the rest of you. <laughs> well, it's, stay, it's staying flexible, right? And uh, yeah, like you said, the bending, the bending, the bending fork. Um, but like, so what? What? What I find interesting with that is kind of like the the practice of learning what you're about to teach to teach it. So like when yeah. when we when we look at crawling crawling through the grass, like what we were talked about earlier, like you mentioned, you were learning new things about music to like do this new record or in and at least put together. And when my listen through to it, and like when or when I listened through this record, it was like each one. It was it was interesting because I was like compiling this this narrative in a in a soundscape way. And like yeah. I could tell, a lot of thought was put into each part, and each part or each song, I should say, moved somewhere within itself. And like, so with that kind of mindset of like learning this, like uh, l- learning to express yourself in a new way, or to like kind of teach this approach in a new way. Um, let's talk about crawling through the grass a little bit to kind of wrap up here. Um, but like, what was it like diving in? into like it seems like what how you did the teach english but with music um well i mean since i've been involved in the music for so many years now it's i i think in in the in the last few years or, or well it's been for a while that i i've known 
I, I sort of went away from music for for a while. I, I was still writing songs, but I decided, you know, when we moved to Ireland and stuff, I wasn't doing music. I, I was doing music in garage band and stuff like that, but I wasn't performing. Right. Uh, the performing I was doing was was in, just in the teaching and teaching yoga and all of that. But but I, when I came back, when we, you know, in the last decade or so, I I thought, you know what. You, you might as well go for what you really, really want to do. And, and that's to, to make yourself a musician, you know. And, and uh, I think we were naive in, in the punk rock era in a way that, that it was like, you know, you didn't want to be academic. You didn't want to be uh, <clears throat> tied to convention or anything so just do what you do and and you know screw the rules and but but like i said you need constraints you need to know you know and it's so helpful to know what a key can really do you know that you that if you work within a key the sounds harmonize and maybe maybe that's not what you want in a certain way but uh so the the thing about crawling through grass i i so, so my friend Greg Greg Bielski, uh, he he is someone who was a fan of Ritual Tension and sent me some soundscapes, and we uh, he said, "Can you do some spoken word on them?" And that became this uh, record, the the Kiss, that we put out in 2017, and uh, and then and we did a bunch of um, performances around uh, based around that. And and then at one point he said, why don't you do a yoga album? Because you do this yoga stuff now. And, well, there's not really, I, I didn't want, I, I don't want to call it yoga music because, you know, there's something called kirtan, which is, right. is real, real yoga music. And, yeah. and there's, there's, there's Indian music and, and all of that. And, uh, but so I wanted to do something that, kind that brought me closer to where i really live i mean the 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 punk rock or post-punk uh persona is you know a lot of the music that ritual tension made was was really gritty and and trying to to translate uh the feeling of 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 being stressed and 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 the modern life and all of that but but i I have a, this other aspect of my personality, which is 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 uh, more, you know, centered and all of that. And and so I I, I wanted to bring that into my music. So I uh, I so I sort of modeled it on on stuff that that I use. I mean, Brian Eno was a big uh, influence on this, and and Biosphere and Tim Hecker and some of the other uh, ambient musicians. I kind of wanted the the crawling through grass to go through sort of the the uh, arc of a of a yoga class where it gets uh, starts out so the the first song is only waking and it just sort of begins to wake up and then goes through um, the exaltation of nothing which is just the this sort of cosmic. Uh, uh, landscape, soundscape, and then and then gets more intense until you're at the sea, the beach, the jungle, where it's actually dan- the the first song I've done that makes me really want to dance, and 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 or move, you know, and uh, 
and then and then the last song is 51st Street Shavasana, which is sort of I, I live on 51st Street in Queens, and it's sort of the you know, it's not really a song that I would, I actually don't play any music if, if I'm doing Shavasana or teaching it. Uh, so it was more like, this is what the mind goes through kind of settling in, but then being interrupted. And then maybe the, the rhythm changes for a minute and then it goes back to, and at the end it's, it's much more peaceful and serene. And so that's sort of like the journey I wanted to take this this record on. And I, I would like to do a, uh, I mean, I have a lot of different ideas now for where I want to go from here, but I, I would like to do a some kind of series which was just, which you really would, it would all be calming. Yeah. But, um, and then I want to do stuff where I bring more lyrics into it. I didn't want too much, too much, when I played music and in yoga class, I didn't want too much English because I don't want people thinking about that. Right. You know, yeah. I, I, so it ended up being much more instrumental. And it's a lot of chutzpah for me to, uh, to think that, that I could put something out instrumentally that people could like, but you know, you just go with it. And if it sounds good, it sounds good. You know, yeah. I hope it appeals to people. I hope, I hope it's something that, that works for people. I think, like, listening through, because I can hear all the structures and all the layers and was in my mind picking them out. Man, this is this is a dense project I'm listening to. I wish I I wish I had this a week before so I can see if they move in keys. You know what I mean? Like, um, Mm -hmm. but now thinking of it in the form of a yoga class that 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 changed my whole perspective on it, which made it even cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because like now now I'm hearing the arc, the the bigger the greater narrative of it. That's really mm-hmm. cool. And uh, uh, well thanks. Yeah, yeah. And I, I also wanted to say I really enjoyed your uh, your short film. I thought that was oh, cool. Oh, thanks. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's like an avenue too, something you can do with that. Um with Is this it, project. Which uh, one? I I've put out two. Uh do you mean the renunciation of regret? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was a lot of fun to, have to, check to work out on. And, and and I've done uh, done another one just but more recently that's going to be part of the bent broken fest uh that 2022 that's going to be uh broadcast next weekend so uh yeah it's it's really it's really fun bringing images into it too i mean i've i i think what i am basically is a multimedia artist so you know i'm i'm just doing all this uh stuff to try to express it and figure out what it is (laughs) well that's that's that seems like what from the rip that's where it's been it's like different directions and like right. it's it's beautiful to see it all come together yeah. well Ivan thank you so much for chatting with me today I really enjoyed oh, thanks, diving Dave. into your work into your story and I really dug this conversation man me too me too it's been a real pleasure thank you so much mm-hmm.